Unmade is running its first end of financial year sale until midnight on June 30th. We're offering 55% off an annual subscription to Unmade. That reduces the price from $650 down to $292.50 per year. It will never be as low again. That is 55% off forever. Joining our paid membership tier is a great way of supporting our independent journalism and analysis. Your membership gives you access to our paywall content that includes full access to everything we release in our Choose Data series, plus early access to most posts, and you'll get big discounts on attending Unmade events. The offer is only available until midnight on June 30th. Head to tinyurl.com forward slash Unmade offer to lock in this great deal. Start the week with Tim and Damo on the Unmade podcast. Welcome back. I'm Damien Francis. Tim Burrows is on a very well-deserved break at the moment. So joining me this morning is Pure PR founder and managing director, Phoebe Netto. Good morning, Damo. Good to be here. Thank you for coming. As we record, it's 7am in Sydney on today's episode. Resignations reign at the Judith Nielsen Institute. Another twist in the MNC Saatchi sales saga. And big tech's big spend at Cannes. Thanks for joining us uh, so early on Start the Week, Phoebe. Great to have you on the podcast. Uh, I've known you for a decade or more now, but uh, perhaps for the listeners, a quick rundown on who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm the founder of Pure Public Relations, a PR agency for SMEs, not-for-profits and industry bodies and charities. And um, fun to be talking through the news with you this morning. And you're a a bit of a news hound and a a news aficionado really, aren't you? I do this for fun, Damo. (laughs) Like to get up early, (laughs) scroll through the news, look for newsjacking opportunities and listen to podcasts at the same time including Unmade, of course. The amount of times I've had tips from you in, in my uh, WhatsApp, uh, I can't count. Uh, I'm a little bleary-eyed, so I'll have to apologise for that. I was up for the Canadian Grand Prix this morning. Spoiler alert, Max Verstappen won that one from Carlos Sainz. Uh, you've become a bit of a, a convert to F1 after Drive uh, to Survive, but I dare say you probably weren't up at 4am for the race. I know you were up at 4am itself, but uh, how was your weekend and uh, what uh, what were you doing uh, up so early this morning? I was reading the headlines, Damo. I like to get up early for work um, before the kids get up. But um, last night there was some beautiful red carpet action on the Logies and um, I didn't watch the Logies but was able to scroll through and see the updates as they came through. Awesome. So quick quick recap of the Logies then. What, what sort of headlines caught your, line, uh, caught your eye this morning? Lego Masters, smart branding move there, and they were the most outstanding entertainment or comedy program. Um, new talent, Tony the Mo Armstrong. So that's nice for the ABC. And you'd be interested in this one, Damo, Bluey. Love Bluey. Most outstanding children's program. No surprises there. And the Gold Logie went to Hamish Blake. Good good popular win. Very popular win. So um, he used his acceptance speech to touch on the industry 
and to thank those who support Australian TV and mentioned that it's been, in his words, a really weird last couple of years for the industry. It certainly has been a weird last couple of years for the media and marketing industry, but we should get right into the podcast and our topics for the day. Being that you're the guest for this episode, Phoebe, where should we start this week? Thanks, Damo. Well, how about we kick off with the director resignations at the Judith Nielsen Institute? Yeah, that seems like a fairly significant change going on there at the Institute with the story in the SMH and The Age by Zoe Samios revealing that four directors had abruptly departed. Phoebe, what is going on there? Well, the Judith Nielsen Institute for Journalism and Ideas is Australia's biggest philanthropic journalism institute. And as you said, they've had four independent directors abruptly resign en masse. Yeah, so that's um, a, a really interesting one. Why, why is that? What's, uh, what's uh, Zoe sort of revealed in the piece? Um, so for some context, the Institute was founded in 2018 by billionaire and philanthropist Judith Nielsen, and she committed at least $100 million to the cause. And some of its recent activity includes offering funding for the reopening of the Australian Financial Review Southeast Asia Bureau in Jakarta, um, providing funding to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia to enable it to provide its national radio news service free of charge for six months to community radio programs. Um, they've got a podcast called Journo. They offer reporting fellowships. Um, they help with the recruitment of First Nations journos and initiatives for uni students and funding of journalism awards. Um, but the Institute was set up with independence at its core and it describes itself as nonpartisan and governed by an independent board. And now we've had four members of this independent board resign, including the chair, and it was kicked off by Judith Nielsen emailing the board with her intention to take charge and change direction. And Zoe Zamios has reported that media sources have said that Nielsen's new vision for the organisation isn't yet finalised, but her involvement raises concerns about its independence. And also that sources who've worked in philanthropic circles have recently been raising eyebrows about the cost of its headquarters and the number of staff employed compared to its spending on journalism grants. So it doesn't paint a pretty picture. And if there isn't some transparency here, it's going to risk the reputation of, of this institution being seen as a hobby or a vanity project rather than the impressive independent change maker that it wants to be known as. So documents uh, have been filed to the Australian Securities and Investment Commission last Wednesday confirming uh, the removal of the four independent uh, directors. Um, and that included um, the chair, James Spiegelman, uh, as well as uh, Paul Kelly, Bridget Fair and uh, Kate Tawney. Um, now, there are three directors still on the board. The Secretary, Simon Freeman, uh, who's the Chief Financial uh, Officer, uh, and uh, Edward Jewell Tate uh, as well. Um, and uh, Mark Ryan uh, is also still there as uh, Executive Director. But uh, look, 
Judith Nielsen also has uh, a number of other projects uh, going on. She's actually got a website called Judith Nielsen Projects uh, and is involved in uh, White Rabbit Gallery of Phoenix at Central Park, uh, the, the JNR architecture uh, project that she's got as, as well. So a lot involved with, uh, with the arts uh, mainly, but uh, a really interesting uh, situation at the Institute and uh, – I think that will play out uh, over the, the, the coming days and, and, and weeks as well. But uh, coming up next, the MNC Saatchi sales saga continues. Unmade. Just as it looked like the sale of MNC Saatchi to Next 15 was becoming academic, it's taken a turn. Demo, what's happened? Yeah, that's right. This is the story that just keeps on giving, really. Uh, MNC Saatchi has withdrawn support for the offer from Next15 for a takeover. Now, Next15 is a UK-based digital marketing group with a, a number of brands in its portfolio, including Archetype, Mighty Social, uh, Engine and more, um, and like I say, based in the UK. And it's led by CEO uh, Tim Dyson. Now, the offer was for 0.1637 of Next15's own shares plus 40 pence in cash for each of uh, MNC Saatchi's shares, which at the time of the offer uh, put the value of MNC Saatchi at 310 million pounds uh, or around 547 million Australian dollars, but of course that uh, fluctuates. Uh, now, what's happened, of course, this year, the story that we've been covering uh, a lot, and uh, I, I know as well, um, you know, a lot of people in the industry have been affected by is the, the drop in the stock market globally, which has been significant. Now, this has unsurprisingly affected uh, Next15 and, and shares in Next15. Uh, have fallen 28% since the offer. Now, that, of course, has had a direct effect on the offer. Uh, essentially, when it was made, uh, the MNC shares were valued at 247.2 pence per share in line with that offer. But now with the new valuation of uh, Next15, which, of course, is is fluctuating with the market, uh, that offer places MNC Saatchi shares uh, with a value of 189 pence per share, which uh, is essentially why MNC uh, are suggesting that uh, the offer is not in line with fair value anymore and shareholders shouldn't vote uh, for the, the offer going through. Now, Next15, unsurprisingly, uh, have said that it's still in shareholders' best interests uh, to vote for this offer and, and make sure that it happens. Um, now, there was a, uh, a, a quote from uh, Tim Dyson, which, uh, uh, which said um, that uh, we reached agreement with the board and executive team of MNC Saatchi after extensive negotiation and believe our offer is full and fair. We do not believe that the recent market volatility undermines the fundamental proposition of this transaction. Uh, and they also noted uh, that their share drop uh, has been in line with, with the market, uh, essentially. So nothing surprising there. Interestingly, The Guardian did note 
that um, there was potentially another offer uh, as well, which had uh, put pressure on this situation. But they didn't uh, elaborate on that uh, much more. But it's a it's a really interesting uh, situation uh, at the moment, and, and if this volatility in the market just continues uh, to wreak havoc. Yes, and and so we know that the economy is tackling a bear at the moment. There's this possible rival offer. So, so what's going to happen next, Demo? Yeah, so next up is the, the vote, which is on August 17, uh, and a lot could happen before then uh, as well. So it's still up to the shareholders whether they vote to, to have this put through or, or, or not. And I dare say next 15 will keep pushing and, and MNC Saatchi will potentially uh, keep suggesting that it's not in their best interest. But look, it's it's been a wild ride for MNC uh, this year. They were subject to uh, offers from one of their board members, uh, Vin Mariah, who uh, tried to take over MNC Saatchi with a, a number uh, of offers. But uh, the, the final offer, which was earlier this month, uh, fell through. Essentially, that play was to uh, turn MNC Saatchi into more of a, a tech-based uh, agency, software-as-a-service kind of agency, and that uh, didn't really uh, go down too well in, in market and was never the, the offers were never at a level that uh, MNC Saatchi backed the, the, the takeover. Mariah's um, now left uh, the board, um, but it, it's been a... a, a like I say, a wild ride for MNC this year, and look, it, it's July, uh, June, um, June twenty today. We've got a long time before August seventeen, so I, I think a lot uh, can play out here. Well, there'll definitely be more updates um, that we'll be able to hear between now and then. And coming up next, demo the big plays from big tech at Cannes. Unmade. The Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity, to full name it, has kicked off again for the first time since the pandemic, but it's not all about lion trophies and consuming champagne. Demo, some big moves by big tech are happening. Yeah, that's right, Phoebe. I'm certainly not in Cannes at the moment. I'm in a very uh, wet and misty Sydney, and and so are you, just uh, slightly to the west of me. And no champagne. No champagne. Well, certainly not at this time of the morning, but um, (laughs) like you said, there's been some interesting investment in in Cannes from big tech, but big tech that maybe we haven't talked about locally anyway uh, as much. Uh, You know, Google and Facebook mainly have been the topic of conversations uh, locally, but uh, it's Apple and Amazon that have taken the limelight here, and, and mainly Apple. So, like I said, can kicks off uh, today uh, for the first time since uh, the pandemic. So, I imagine there'll be a, a lot of champagne flowing uh, over there. But um, now, the digital players, they usually do... Uh, present at, at Cannes are involved in in sort of different ways, but this year it's Apple that has sort of taken a, a bit of the limelight through a large amount of rumours, uh, and in this case covered by uh, DigiDay uh, in the US, who are suggesting in an article by Ronan Shields that it has uh, put a lot of investment into Cannes this year's, and, and that sources 
have said that they will be hosting a number of executives this year and making a big push uh, to get in the faces of advertising and marketing executives uh, to try and um, sort of bring them on side. There's, there's been a lot happening uh, in Apple's world. Now, usually it's a very secretive uh, company, but it has disrupted uh, Adland significantly uh, recently, particularly uh, with the erosion of data signals and its privacy uh, crusade, especially with iOS uh, among mobile devices, uh, particularly the very popular iPhone, uh, to the extent where we, we, we've seen a number of advertising campaigns uh, about Apple uh, sort of drumming up its uh, uh, privacy push for for consumers, but uh, look, rumor is that um, the the services division within Apple, uh, which uh, includes advertising, uh, netted almost two hundred uh, sorry twenty billion US in revenue according to the latest earnings. But um, of that, uh, four point one four billion. Uh, is forecast to come from advertising. Now, that's from insider intelligence, and it is an estimate. Uh, but you, you can see why they are making a significant play to get in front of executives and talk to, to the big players in the advertising market. The nature of the meetings uh, are unknown, um, but uh, the, a lot of talk uh, at the moment as well is, is that the reveal of the latest version um, of the campaign measurement to tool uh, SK Ad Network uh, 4.0 to, to give it its full name, um, which was recently announced at WWDC. Now, that's the Worldwide Developers Conference. Um, was a little bit hard to understand unless you were a, a tech nerd or, or had a very, very good understanding of, of MarTech. Um, and there's also a, a lot of speculation around that uh, Apple may be looking at ad funded options for some of its Apple TV offerings, uh, particularly because they have the rights to major sports, including uh, the MLB or, or Major League Baseball in, in the US. So a lot for Apple to talk about, but interesting to to hear that they may well be doing this big push uh, at Cannes. Um, and uh, it goes in line with uh, a lot of job ads that have uh, appeared recently for positions at Apple uh, with uh, in the ad platforms uh, division. So a lot happening there. Big moves at Apple. And this is not the first time that the Cannes Festival has given a stage to interesting brands, is it? No, look, it's always interesting to see who pops up at, at Cannes and, and what their motivations are. As I mentioned before, uh, Amazon is also spending uh, big uh, this year with uh, Amazon Port and, and the Twitch apartments, which uh, will be hosting a, a, a lot of ad executives, no doubt. Uh, but you know, to your point, you know, we saw recently tobacco companies uh, spending big uh, at Cannes, uh, not least Philip Morris International, uh, who are trying to push their their sort of clean future, their, their smoke-free future. If, if you could see a video of this, you'd see me doing air quotes. Uh, that's Philip Morris's words, not mine. Um, and they were on a massive crusade to speak to advertising executives and, and try and uh, become friendlier with, with brands. And, uh, you know, when I was at Mumbrella and, and running the, the content for the ComsCon conference, uh, I 
put uh, Philip Morris International's communications, global communications director on stage around that time because of that um, that push that they were doing. Now, that's not to say that we support them or, or don't support them. It's more that... Yeah, bold uh, move, Damo. Look, it was, a, it was a bold move, but, you know, it was news in the industry um, in terms of, uh, you know, they were making this push. It was happening. And so it was better to hear it from the horse's mouth as to why and to be able to, to you know, question them to their face as to, you know, the thoughts of, of the industry. So it wasn't to say that they were they were doing a great job. Um, it was to say, well, you got some questions. Here's the time to, to ask them, put them to their face and, and really um, get the answers uh, you're asking. But look, going off topic slightly, you're right. Can has uh, had some very interesting brands, um, particularly of, of recently. But it'll be it'll be fascinating to see what happens uh, with Apple and uh, whether more of uh, these sort of backroom briefings uh, come to light uh, after the fact. Up next, Mutiny Eyes expansion after successful seed round. Unmade. Damo, Mutiny is in the headlines this morning in the Australian Financial Review from Miranda Ward after closing a 2.4 million seed funding round, which was led by Charlie Gearside and Alexei Mitko. They're the co-founders of Eucalyptus and also involved former Starcom CEO John Sintras and ad guru Russell Howcroft. Yeah, that's right, Phoebe. This one is one that sort of just come to light as we started the podcast. So best laid plans as per usual. There's always something uh, breaking that uh, kind of (laughs) changes them. But um, yeah, look, Mutiny has has announced uh, this uh, successful seed uh, funding round. And now that's to help expand the capabilities uh, of the business to to drive self-service onboarding. Uh, and generate automated insights for customers, uh, says Ward in the AFR. But also really interestingly uh, to expand uh, the business in uh, into uh, the US. Um, now, uh, Henry Innes, who uh, is always enlightening uh, when he speaks, he's got some fascinating insights. Uh, he told uh, Miranda, and I quote, Uh, The capital raise will really drive three things for us. The first is we're looking to drive a far more streamlined onboarding process and data management process for our customers so that they can largely self-serve, do that in a really interesting way and kind of manage their data far more efficiently. The second element is to begin an initial US push to try to get a couple of US case studies to test the market in the US. So... Big, uh, big moves there from uh, from Mutiny. Now, uh, the business launched in in 2018. It's currently got a 20 headcount and, and around 20 enterprise uh, accounts, including Samsung Australia, uh, Me Bank, and ING, uh, according to the AFR. Um, but it's a it, it's a massive play uh, for the agency, particularly in the names of, of the people. Who, who have invested with them and are joining uh, to invest. Now, initially, uh, the, the former chairman and chief executive of Publicis uh, Worldwide, Andrew Baxter, 
uh, was an investor as well as a Deloitte creative partner, Nick Garrett. Uh, now as well, uh, former Starcom chairman, John Sintris, uh, Sayers Group mm. partner, Russell Howcroft, obviously as well, a big radio uh, name in uh, particularly in uh, Melbourne, uh, but also former STW Group uh, COO, uh, Chris Savage uh, as well, all coming on board. Uh, as in investors now they're you know massive names uh, in the market so it says a lot uh, for what uh, what mutiny is doing but look uh, for those who, who kind of don't know mutiny well uh, you know they, they made a massive push once they had launched to kind of not rebrand but but reposition what, what they were I think initially a lot of people uh, looked at them as an agency uh, within the industry, but uh, they're very much a, a, a consultancy slash Martech uh, business, and, and uh, Innocent is business partner Matt Ferrugia have done really well to to push that story in, in market and keep growing and, and keep expanding. Um, so it, it, it's a big news for them uh, to to get this funding and, and to look at the the push into the US, particularly that massive. Uh, tech market over there and and what they're offering with war chest um their their major product uh essentially you know empowering marketers to to optimize in in real time their their expenditure uh and a lot more than that of of course uh, gives them a really strong uh position and and, and somewhat especially locally a, a somewhat unique play uh in market as well but look Big aims uh, too, you know, with uh, the, the statement that they're trying to grow business by two hundred percent over the next twelve months. So uh, we'll have to, especially in this economy. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely is. You know, to get to funding in, in this economy is a, a fantastic result for them. But we'll wait and see how that plays out uh, as they look into the US. But what we don't have to wait uh, too long for is a, a bit more information. Uh, from them because what I can say is that uh, Unmade will be uh, publishing uh, some more information uh, after a discussion uh, with uh, Mutiny as well. So stay tuned uh, for that. That will be out soon. Looking forward to it. And that's almost it for today. We'd love to hear what you think of it at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. Yeah, thanks for joining me today, Phoebe, especially with that early start. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Damo. It was great to hear the insights. And before we go, don't miss out on Unmade's first end of financial year sale. Until midnight on June 30th, you can sign up for a paid Unmade membership for 55% off. That reduces our usual $650 price all the way down to $292.50. Sign up at tinyurl.com forward slash unmade offer. The price will never be this low again, so act fast and support independent journalism. I'll be back tomorrow with the latest Choose Data post for paying members of Unmade. And today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. Thanks for listening. See you later. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.